I have to say, as a pastor, there's been, uh, I think I'm on 11 years now as a pastor, and there's been different years where you feel pressured to do the Christmas message, and it's like, okay, we got to do a Christmas message. It's Christmas time. Got to get off the track we've been on, uh, and it feels kind of like an obligation. And then it usually ends up good as you get to study on my government level. But I have to say, I'm really excited about this message today, just the truth of this message. And uh, it's just been, it's brought me a lot of personal joy and peace. It, uh, I've got to prepare for it. And so I hope that it will bless you as well. I want to start out, as we do a lot of times here, by just kind of talking through and having some questions a little discussion, and that is, what are some of the things we see in here around Christmas time? Christmas lights, good. What else? Nativity scenes, good. We'll get to that question in just a minute, good. What else? Crazy shoppers, yeah. Lots of traffic, yeah. Lots of joy, yeah. Christmas songs, Christmas music. <laughs> Some people are like, Christmas movies. I want, good. I guess sometimes you see a little bit of selfishness start creeping out. Or just the day after a bunch of disappointment. Yeah, a lot of times uh, Christmas is a really, really rough uh, time for for people, very often, in fact. Good, any other thoughts? Yeah, I would say I would say you have like a spectrum, and it's like whichever way you lean, you kind of move out to the edge of that spectrum. If you're, you're either kind of a little more joyful and happy and everything's great, or a little bit more cranky, yeah, yeah. All right, so when we think of Christmas, you know, our mind isn't just one-dimensional, is it? Like we, we really, even as believers in here or people that are following Christ or uh, interested in the things of God, when we come to the idea of Christmas, it's usually multi-dimensional. It's not just all I'm thinking about is Jesus. Would you agree? Okay. Not just me, right? Not just the pastor. Okay. So let me ask you, we do see nativity scenes. Anger scenes. What do they tell us? Because everyone's like, you know, if you're a good Christian, and I do that in quotes because I'm being very sarcastic, then you got to make sure and have some Jesus decorations up too. Like you can't just have a Christmas tree and candy canes. You got to have a manger Why? Supposed to be about Jesus? Okay. Okay, opens the door up for a conversation about Christ. Good, any other thoughts? What, is the, what does the nativity scene tell us? What's the message there? Babies can live in barns. Is that the message? Christ, there's hope. Something new. I'm making you guys work. I know it. I'm making it. I, it's a little fun to get, get you guys uncomfortable. Okay. 
it's an incarnation or God coming as man, God becoming a man. It's a it's a message there of total humility. Uh, in a barn, he didn't come uh, with this a host of soldiers with him, and on a, on a horse he came as a baby. And, message okay good so there's a lot of truth in that but what i want to get to today is what is all what is <laughs> look at that what christmas oh okay i'm not on pain medicine for my back i promise you ibuprofen's all i took this morning um <laughs> yeah, I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm good that's uh, what Christmas is all about. So we, we're going to talk a little bit about the Christmas message because really the Christmas message is more than a nativity scene. It's more than a baby in a manger. And it is the message of God's word. It's the message of the Bible. That's what I want to kind of get to today. And I want to kind of like stretch our minds a little bit because I know a lot of times, you know, we think, oh, the manger scene. But Christmas is about way, way way more than a manger scene for wise men or shepherds or a star. That's not the Christmas message. Those are elements and parts of the Christmas message. But that's not what Christmas is all about. Babies and stable animals. It's about more than that. So that's what I want to talk about today. First uh, Timothy, not a typical Christmas text. You know, usually it's like, okay, go to Matthew, go to Luke. If you want to follow along, First Timothy uh, 1, you can turn your Bibles there or your smart device or uh, have it up on the screen, and uh, you can use that as well. Let me pray one more time, and then we'll dive into this, and then we'll finish up the service today with communion. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for your son who did come. Uh, the earth and uh, I thank you for the scripture I thank you for the chance to get to study it I thank you for this group of people that are here today I ask that you would use this to open up our minds and hearts to be more praise Jesus All right, so I'm just going to go through this really slow together that this passage these couple verses and this is the first chunk of the verse it says this is a trustworthy saying and worthy of all acceptance. So this letter, it's a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to Timothy. So like we're studying the book of Ephesians now. And that is a letter that Paul is writing to a whole church. This is a letter that Paul is writing directly to Timothy to tell him how to handle some difficult things. And so what he's telling him is like, hey, I'm getting ready to tell you something. And it's a trustworthy saying and full of all acceptance. And what that means is it's trustworthy you can count on this. You can put all of your weight, all of your hope. You can completely rely on this. The thing I'm getting to tell you, the thing we're going to talk about today is 100% completely reliable. You can count on it. You can bank on this that we're going to be talking about. And so he's trying to help set up this idea that, Timothy, I'm getting to tell you something that's very important that you can put all your stock into. And also, it's worthy or worth you accepting or opening your heart up to, you buying into, you believing, you accepting 
embracing. So that's what he's trying to tell him here. He's like, we're getting ready to talk about something. You can completely trust this and it's good and worth. It'll be worthwhile for you to buy into what we're talking about. Okay, so you all there? You, you see what he's getting ready to tell him? So for us, we want that same message. Whatever we're going to hear today is something we should 100% bank on and buy into. Here's, the, here's what it is. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. You can bank on that. That's the Christmas message. It's more than cattle. It's more than shepherds. It's more than a star. Right here is why Jesus Christ came into the world. To save sinners. And I'm all about the manger scenes. I'm all about Christmas songs. I'm all about all that stuff. I, I enjoy that. I, I like lights. Uh, uh, Christmas always has a little bit of a cozy feel to me. Um, but this is the heart of what the Christmas message is all about. Jesus didn't come to hang out in a manger. He didn't come to stay a baby. Jesus Christ came into this world, although he had already existed, he came into this world as man for the purpose of saving sinners. That's good news. And so the idea here, I wanna, let me just come and uh, talk about a few words here. First of all, he came into the world to save sinners. Save, we think of the idea of rescue, right? Which is true. And that, that's completely valid way to look at this. It's to rescue. And sinners need rescue. But there's more to that word, save. It's the idea of deliver. And so when I picture this, I picture maybe a guy floundering in the ocean in a storm, and he just gets picked up and put on a life raft. And that's, he just got rescued. And in a sense, that's true. He did get rescued. He got saved. But the idea here is bigger than that. The idea here is delivered. And so it's kind of like you got rescued and put into a place of great abundance. So it would be like getting scooped up out of the ocean and then getting a luxury suite in the cruise line that plucked you out of the ocean. And you got a free access to everything on that cruise line. That's more the idea of saving. And he's doing this for sinners. It's not just like, okay, we'll pick you up and put a bandage on you. Or you're going to have to ride the life raft. And The idea here of save is you're completely delivered. And that's what's true for us. Is we're not just trying to rescue you. Kind of picked out of a bad spot. The fact of the matter is that we because of Jesus Christ, we sinners get to be completely delivered. We have all the hope, all the benefits through Jesus Christ. I want to talk about this word sinners. So sinners, there's a, two main ideas I want to communicate here. And uh, sin is to miss the mark. So what I want to do, that's one definition of this word. Does get the close. It's a target. But thanks. See what that is? That's an arrow. 
Now does that make a little more sense? It's all coming together. It's all perspective, right? So, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. The idea here is that it's to miss the mark, to fall short. That's one idea, an idea of sin, sinners. So it's people that miss the mark. And what is the mark? God's holiness. And so if you want to talk about who's a sinner, we usually think, oh, those darn uh, rapists, or oh, those darn burglars, or oh, the, all those criminals over, you see, doing these snatch and grabs now, or oh, the guy who, uh, you know, beat up his wife. Those are the sinners. Really, the idea of sin is those who don't measure up to God's perfect standard of holiness. They miss the mark. They fall short. It's in scripture says, fall short of the glory of God. So you have all of God's glory. For all have sinned, Romans 3.23, and fall short of the glory of God. So when we think about, am I a sinner? Well, let me just ask you this. Where do you fall short of God's perfect righteousness? Where do you, let me ask you this. Where do you measure up to God's perfect righteousness? Nowhere in and of ourselves. So we're complete sinners. Like, there's not one part. Like, if I could pick a little slice, and let's say we could pick the best slice of my life. Say, how do you measure up to God in that area? Horribly. Because I fall short. So when he says he came in the world to save sinners, he's saying, all you people that fall short. And you may be one of those people in your own mind, in your own heart, that thinks, maybe you've used this phrase before, I just don't measure up as a Christian. Good news is, that's what Christ came into the world. Those who don't measure up. Because none of us measure up. The other word that's often used is transgress. Because I don't have a lot of room here, I'm going to write no trespassing okay transgression is the idea of trespassing so you're on this side of the line you're good as soon as you set your little toe over there or an arm over there you've trespassed and that's a word it says uh, in scripture it talks about trespasses transgressions it's the same word transgress you Cross the line. So here we have, you don't measure up, and you're like, I don't really, I, I can't grab a hold of that. And the other one is, you cross the line. God has put some lines down, and you've crossed them. And if you in your own heart know where you've crossed the line, maybe it was immorality, maybe it was in your language, maybe it was in your thoughts. I know we probably have a few people in here who've murdered in their thoughts, right? Not just the pastor. Okay. <laughs> I, I hate to admit it, but it's true. I mean, it's, it's shameful to admit. It's embarrassing to admit. I don't brag about that. But I cross the line. I cross lines. Whether in my thoughts, in my heart, in my actions. I hate to break it to you, but so have you. So you look at the this message, and we go... Jesus Christ came into the world to save those that don't measure up and that have crossed the lines. 
that's a good news message right there. That's more than a manger. That's more than angels singing. And all those things are cool, and all of them point to him, to the rescuer. But he is the one who delivers us, complete, gives us complete, abundant deliverance. That's the Christmas message. And then Paul says this, to save sinners. So trustworthy saying, you can bank on this. Christ came into the world to save sinners. Those that fall short, those that have crossed the line. And he says, of whom I am the chief. So Paul basically says, hey, here's the good news. Christ came into the world. You can bank on this. He died, or he, he came into this world to save sinners, and I am the worst one. I'm the top-notch sinner. I'm the CEO of sinners. Yeah, I'm the paragon of sinners. So if we just think about this, you think, oh, okay, Paul is kind of being a little dramatic, but there's a few things I want to point out on this. I don't think he is. I think in his own heart, he genuinely had this heart. And I think there's probably a couple reasons. One, he personalized this truth. We could talk about sinners, and maybe you're like, oh, yeah, that's sinner. That's Glad Jesus came to sinners. Other sinners. But when you personalize it, you realize, I'm one of those sinners that Christ came into the world say i'm one of those who don't measure up i'm one of those who cross lines i'm one of those who need to be rescued even if i don't re uh i don't realize it at the moment i can begin to mind up to yeah i don't measure up and i've crossed lines i'm a sinner i fall short of the glory of god i need rescue paul says i'm the worst he personalized and what's interesting here is he said, I am the chief, not I used to be the chief sinner. But I think he had a continuing realization. And I know we're made new. I know we're made righteous in Christ. I know that. But I think what he realized is that outside of Christ, he was still the same old person. Without the rescuer, he was the same old guy, same old sinner, chief of sinners. So what he's communicating here. As he communicates this, uh, I'll, I'll, let me talk a little bit more about him in just a minute. Um, but what he's communicating here is he's communicating, I was, it, I was the furthest. I am the furthest out there. And God's arm could reach all the way out there and grab the chief of sinners. And he can grab everybody else in between. If God could save a guy like Paul, rest, deliver make new, and he can save people like us. And I think Paul felt like a chief of sinners, not only because he did wrong, selfish things. Most of the things we've done in this room or haven't done or failed to do well is because of our own selfishness, because we wanted our own comfort, because we wanted to do things our way, because of our own pride, because of our own arrogance. And it's kind of like this small bubble world of us just doing our thing. Most of it wasn't because we were going to rail against and, and go against the very things of God. And I think what happened was Paul ended up realizing, man, I was actually going outright against God. I was personally Christians. 
doesn't get any worse than working actively outright against the very plans of God. I wasn't just kind of being selfish. This is what Paul says about himself. I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. And what's interesting here is he said, if anyone thinks, this is in Philippians, he says this, if anyone thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Basically what he's saying here, as far as religious things go, you don't get any better than how I was doing it. I had all the boxes marked. I was doing everything right. And in that heart, in that attitude, he was actually ended up putting himself out as the furthest one. He made himself out the furthest one. I heard this from a, another pastor. I thought it was good, so I'm going to share it. There's a, does anyone know Jim Marshall, 1960s Vikings guy? So he recovers. I got a little footage of it here. He recovers a fumble. They're playing the 49ers. He recovers a fumble, and he trucks it like over 60 yards. He's running the wrong direction and scores a safety for the other team. But he thought – he was, I think he was a lineman. He thought he was scoring a touchdown for his team. And then he get, you can see it here, and he gets to the very end. And then one of the other team, one of the other, the 49ers comes up to him. He's like, dude, you're going the wrong way. Like, you know, he even throws the ball in the air in the end zone. Like, woohoo! And that's what Paul's saying. Like, I thought I was scoring. I thought I was winning. I thought I had scored touchdowns spiritually. But really, I was the chief of sinners. So the message in that to us is to realize if you're putting your stock in your own flesh or your own ability or your own spirituality or your own deeds or your own works or your own anything, you're actually moving further away from the plan of God. God's plan is for us to admit that we are sinners and we need rescue. So here's Jim Marshall. Woohoo! Watch him throw the ball. And then he gets over, and this other guy comes over like, dude, you just scored for the other team. <laughs> he said he said that that uh, he said it was one of the toughest things he had to do to ever get back out on the field after that. And you can imagine that. And if you put your stock in your own religious stuff, and then you've had your legs knocked out from underneath you, and God humble you, you can identify with that. And that's happened to me. I know that's happened to other people in this room, where you think, it's a church saying, you think that you, you, uh, you don't stink. <laughs> then the truth is, you're going to get home. 
and God will help you to realize you need him. So I thought it was interesting. So when we think about this idea of sinners, and, and again, this is, a, a, uh, I heard somebody else sharing these, and I thought, man, that is such a good point. But some of our Christmas songs, and let me tell you, I'm not against these songs at all. Love them. They're fun. All that. But if you listen to the message of these couple songs, a little Christmassy, not church hymns, not any of that. It's just kind of the songs we sing at Christmas. Listen to the opposite message than what Scripture has. Because what Scripture has is that Jesus Christ, the Christmas message is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, even the worst, worst of the worst sinner. That's the message here. Here's Santa Claus is coming to town. Not that message. That almost sounds like if you read it with like a, uh, what's the guy, Vincent, uh, Vincent Price voice, it might even be a little scary. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty. Santa Claus is coming. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. That's a fun song to sing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, it's a fun song. But that's not the message we're studying today, is it? It's if you're bad, that's okay. Because that's why Jesus Christ came to earth. That's the whole Christmas message. He came for dead people, lifeless people, sinful, far from him people. That's what makes Christmas awesome. Here's one more. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Are you singing it in your head, are you? But Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Had a very shiny nose. If you ever saw it, you would say it glows. Okay, got you there. All the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Then, one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then, after he did something awesome, had to do something awesome first, then how the other reindeer loved him, as they shouted out with glee. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer will go down in history. you got to be a history maker to be loved. That's not the message of God. And it's not, you better be good for goodness sake. The message is Christ came to save sinners, even the worst brand of sinner. That's good news. That's the Christmas message. So then Paul kind of goes on, he says, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy so that in me, the first, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. The message there is what he's saying is God saved a sinner like me so that other people could see as an example, look at what kind of people God saves. Look how long suffering he is. Look at how much pain he's willing to endure and suffer long to save messes like me. Broken, messed up, 
sinful, stubborn, rebellious people like me. That's why he did it, to demonstrate how good he is. He demonstrates his goodness by rescuing us out of our sin and filth. And he does it when he saves one of us, filthy sinners. He does it as an example so other people can see, oh, that's what God's like. He saves dirty, rotten scoundrels like that. He, he saves a dirtbag like that who does not deserve it. Can you identify? He says, who, who are going to believe on him for everlasting life, that idea of everlasting, it's not just that you're going to live forever. You're going to exist forever. People in hell will exist forever. It's the idea of it is life. That you've been given this boundless life, life without bounds. And you think about everlasting life, it's more than just like, I'm going to live forever. Especially in these bodies, most of us wouldn't want to live forever. In fact, that's what it says. That's one of the reasons that death was allowed to occur. We wouldn't have to live in a sinful state forever. But everlasting life, think about what we gain through simply believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. We gain a new life, don't we? It says he will make us new. Born again is the way scripture talks about it. He's going to make us new, give us new life. He gives us cleanness. He forgives us. It says he washes us. It says he regenerates us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's in Titus 3.5. He makes us new. He gives us hope. For the future, that we can go to heaven, even though we don't deserve it. He gives us a guarantee that he will save. We talked about that the ceiling, that he saves. Not on the basis of what we've done, but because of what he's done. And we don't have to work on it. You don't have to be good for goodness sake. This is not a message of. If you clean up this area, if you sharpen up on that, if you quit doing this, if you try harder on that, it's to those who believe. In other words, those who trust in Christ, put their hope in Christ. Rely on what God's done. It's not about what we've done. So you ask, so how are, how are we supposed to respond to this wonderful news? Here's what he says in the next verse. As he's talking about these things, he's, here's a trustworthy statement. This is the response it causes in him. It causes him to just burst out in praise. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever. Not just forever, forever and ever. Amen. So be it. So what's the right response to this kind of news that Christ came into the world to save? Sinners, praise God, celebrate. That's the message is celebrate. And I want to just say something here because I know we have people from all different backgrounds. And by no means in scripture are we directly told to celebrate Christmas. And I'm not saying if that's against your conviction, I completely, I'm, I can be on board with that. I would argue with you if I could turn to a verse and say right here, it tells you that you have to celebrate Christmas. It doesn't say that in here. We're not commanded to, but we're free to celebrate it. Talks about that, you know, don't get hung up on this date or on that day or on this diet or on that diet, but we are free to celebrate it. And I would say that if nothing else, even if you don't want to celebrate with Christmas tree, and even if you want to do it every day of the year, it's good to celebrate the fact that Christ arrived on earth to save sinners 
and to deliver them to save us from our sin because none of us measure up. That's a good news message. And so when we think about Christmas and we see the lights and we hear the songs and we enjoy it, enjoy the tree, enjoy the cocoa or cider or whatever it is or the Santa Claus singing or having the kids have gifts and all of that. And even as you look at the manger scene, realize it's more than about a baby in a manger. What's so great about all this is Christ came into the world to save sinners, even the worst of sinners. That's good news. That's something worth celebrating. That's worth something worth recognizing. So on that note, what we're going to do is uh, Jordan and Carly can come up. We're going to celebrate communion. And I just want to remind you what communion is. We take the, the bread, which represents Christ's body, and the juice, which represents his blood. And he says to take those so often, and is when you do it, to remember him. So it's a way to remember that Christ died on the cross for us. He, he did that. He told him to do that the day before he went to the cross. And so that's why we're celebrating that, is to, to remember so that we wouldn't forget. Christ gave up his body, his blood so that he could save us. So why don't you come on up? And then what's going to happen is uh, Carly's going to sing. I just want to encourage you. David, will you grab me elements back there when we get back whenever it is? Just sit in your seat, enjoy, listen, pray, uh, reflect, meditate on, on truth. If you need to confess sin, use this time between you and God. Listen to the words of the song. I really like the song. We're used to come, O ye faithful. This song is come, you unfaithful. Because that's who the cross is for. The broken, the beat up, the messed up, the sinners. That's why Christ died on the cross. It's for those. So that's what we're celebrating. So I encourage you, listen, just meditate, pray, whatever it is. Whenever you're ready, go grab the elements, hang on to it, and then we'll share those things together. When I think everybody who wants it uh, has picked those up, I'll go ahead and lead us together. I want to carve this thing. Head back there whenever you're ready. All right. Bread is a symbol of his body, which said was broken for us, save us from our sins. Cup, symbol of his blood, new covenant, newness in him that he didn't just cover up our sins with his blood. He washed our sins away. He clean. said when he had given thanks, Christ had given thanks. He broke it, broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And Paul added these words. He says, for often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And his death was for one reason. And that's to save dirty, rotten sinners like us. Praise God. Have a great Christmas. Hope to see you at Christmas Eve before that. But if we don't, have a great Christmas. And uh, hopefully we can just see you the following week. Have a great day.